With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Ian Harditson. Today, we are doing our fantasy football team preview for the 2020 Cincinnati Bengals. This is the last one in the AFC North series, so make sure you check out the Ravens, Steelers, and Browns if you haven't already. And we'll be coming with these fantasy football team previews up until week one. So make sure you check them out as, as they continue to roll in. But without further ado... The 2020 Cincinnati Bengals will be led by number one overall pick Joe Burrow. I mean, this guy is coming off arguably the greatest single college QB season ever. I mean, look, as a, you know, Cam Newton stan, I might put that, you know, rag doll group of ragtag group of Auburn players he dragged to a national championship. Maybe that's a little more impressive, but I mean, how can you say anything but nice things about what Burrow managed to accomplish last season? 5,671 passing yards, 60 scores, 6 picks in 15 games. I mean, he did it completing 76% of his passes, 10.8 yards per attempt. We're talking about PFF's number one QB in completion rate under pressure, number two in deep ball completion rate among 242 qualified quarterbacks. So it was every bit as ridiculous as you remembered it, every bit as absurd as the highlights were. I mean, look, I understand the wide receivers are amazing. The O-line was amazing, but that's kind of what you see at the highest level of college football sometimes. And, you know, you look at the negatives, quote unquote, on Burrow, and I think it comes down to two things. One, he transferred from Ohio State once upon a time. Couldn't quite beat out Dwayne Haskins, who I know people don't have the highest opinion on after his first season in the NFL, but unless we forget, Haskins broke Drew Brees' Big Ten record for most total touchdowns in a season, so hardly, you know, it's not like he lost to a freaking nobody or anything like that. And also the reality that Burrow is a slightly older prospect at 23. You know, that happens when you transfer and all that. But again, I don't think these concerns are anything to really worry about. Maybe Burrow is this, you know, raw Jake Locker-esque prospect. And, you know, we worried about the older age. That'd be one thing. But 
for as polished as he is already, you know, just kind of the the true Romo-esque vibe you kind of get from his ability to extend plays, I am buying all things Joe Burrow this year. And that's especially in fantasy. Because, look, since 2010, it's been hard for rookie QBs to become immediate top fantasy performers. We've only seen six finish their rookie season in the top 12 in fantasy points. And those six have been Cam Newton, Andrew Luck, Robert Griffin, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, and Kyler Murray. What are the similarities for those guys? I I found two main ones. One, each of those quarterbacks were a week one starter. And two, they had a rushing floor. They all averaged at least 25 rushing yards per game in college. Obviously, you know, RG3, Kyler, a little bit better than Andrew Luck and even Russell Wilson on the ground early. But those guys, no one's confusing them for a statue. And both these criteria... Check marks for Joe Burrow. He is absolutely going to be the week one starter after Andy Dalton was shipped to Dallas. I mean, even saying that Dalton's presence would have mattered, uh, probably not even probably not even necessary to go there. And two, he averaged 27 rushing yards per game at LSU. And yes, he definitely looks to throw first. He's not one of these guys, you know, like a Cam Newton that's just going to ha- rack up designed rush attempts, you know, week after week. But Burrow at LSU. 243 rushes, 767 rushing yards, 12 scores on the ground over those final two seasons. You know, when you consider in college football that sacks count against your rushing total, truly underrated rushing performance from Joe Burrow. So I am treating him as a borderline fantasy QB1 and proud of it. Moving on, rest of the offense. At running back, we have Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard expected to again form a two-back committee of sorts. And look, Joe Mixon, he gets his touches. Kind of the same thing with Derrick Henry where, okay, do, are they getting you know the Zeke Elliott, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey role? No, but their run game usage is so extreme that we can still kind of confidently project them for over 300 touches. There's just not many running backs you can say about that. The floor here for Mixon is proven, and it's proven as a borderline RB1. He was the PPR RB10 and RB13 in 2018 and 2019, respectively, and that's while splitting snaps with Gio. I mean, last year, Mixon had a 59% snap rate, and Gio was coming in at 40%. Mixon had 45 targets, Geo had 43. And I'm not hating on Geo. I mean, he makes a couple plays a year, particularly early in his career, that you just kind of shake your head the amount of tackles to do breaks. But, I mean, Mixon, going back to his days at Oklahoma, I mean, this is a legit three-down back that can do special things in the receiving game, lined up in the slot, lined up outside. We've seen small flashes of it. I don't think we should necessarily expect it to, you know, come back full circle. But, again, we're talking about a running back projected for over 300 touches, probable, if not certain, quarterback upgrade under center, and we get uh, 2018, excuse me, 2019 first-round pick Jonah Williams back to help solidify what's been just a brutal offensive line over the years. So I'm fine with uh, buying Mixon on that borderline QB1. You know, RB6, like some people have him, is a little too high for me. I prefer Kenyon Drake there just because he has that chance to get the pass down work that I don't think Mixon, even if he's capable, is going to end up getting. So I would just note, I've seen some people list Giovanni Bernard as, you know, one of the top handcuffs to go after and get, and I just don't think we should be that confident that if disaster strikes, if Mixon misses time, that Gio's going to get this three-down workhorse role. I mean, Travion Williams and Rodney Anderson are two guys they added to their roster last year, and they're just the types of guys that I think would make this into a committee if Mixon gets hurt. I understand in past years when Jeremy Hill, when Mixon went out, we did see Gio kind of get that big featured role, but... Different coaching staff, different, you know, other running backs on the roster. I am not really going out of my way to get mixed, to get, excuse me, I'm not going out of my way to get Giovanni Bernard uh, in that kind of RB40 range like others.
Now on to, I mean, a sneaky loaded wide receiver room here with A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, John Ross, my guy Auden Tate, T. Higgins, even Alex Erickson is there to potentially make some noise. So, I mean, A.J. Green, he's had over a 1,000 yards and six scores every season of his career with at least 10 games. I mean, he's a true alpha number one. Hasn't signed his franchise tag yet. I think we're going to see A.J. Green this year, but, you know, that, this is why the guy's going outside the top 20, top 30 wide receivers sometimes. But at a minimum, I don't think we have to worry about the injury as much just because, again, the guy didn't play all last season. So we should feel a little bit better about his chances to play 10-plus games this year. Whether or not he actually puts pen to paper is out there week one. Still a little bit of a mystery, but, you know, I, I would expect him to try to go out and play 16 games this year if the health persists. You know, I'm... Do you want A.J. Green over someone like Terry McLaurin, over someone like Stephon Diggs? That's a different conversation to have. But, look, he still deserves to be projected, I think, as number one receiver in this Bengals offense. Tyler Boyd, 1,000 yards in back-to-back seasons. But, I don't know. He's just one of these guys that we have seen when, you know, without Green, he's not quite the same efficient guy. And we saw what the Bengals offense looked like with Boyd as the alpha wide receiver. One last year, it wasn't great. And hey, we saw Justin Jefferson ball the hell out on the slot for LSU and Burrow. I mean, there is a definitely a potential for Boyd to get there. I've underestimated him the last two years. He's certainly a solid player, but I just look across this offense and, I mean, it's unproven. We don't know if Boyd's even going to be a top two guy. I mean, when you draft T. Higgins with the number 33 overall pick, if you get an, actually a healthy version of John Ross with the new quarterback, maybe Mixon takes a step forward as a receiver. I just think there's underrated uncertainty behind A.J. Green in this offense. And when Boyd's almost being priced as the same as A.J. Green, I mean, I'm taking Green every single time there. And, you know, quickly on these other guys, John Ross, it's tough to call this guy a complete bust because yes he hasn't done anything but like we saw it the first two weeks of last season against Seattle and I believe uh, San Fran that next game dude he can take slants goes he can take everything in the house awfully quick I mean talented route runner with that speed it's going to be very interesting if he lands on a you know different roster at some point via trade as a number two option he can get some semblance of good health Auden Tate look Every time this ball gets thrown to Auden Tate, it's a contested catch situation. He comes down with a lot of them. I mean, he has a very fun, uh, you know, minute, minute 30 second highlight film of a bunch of 10 yard catches that, yes, they're contested. Yes, he's diving. You would probably wish the receiver could just kind of get more open and make things look a little easier. So, you know, Auden Tate's like that, you know, friend in Little League back in the day where they couldn't quite judge fly balls right. So you get kind of diving catch situations out of something that should have been a can of corn. So I understand the hate, but also for someone that never exactly entered the league with like top three round pedigree, I do wish people would give my guy Auden a little more slack. So I do hope he makes a roster, but we're not going to see much fantasy production of Auden this year. T. Higgins is kind of the wild card. I mean, number three, number 33 overall pick. Looked a part of a wide receiver one at Clemson. There is a possibility that T. Higgins leads this Bengals offense and targets if, you know, Bad news happens with A.J. Green, and Burrow just decides to lock on to his rookie counterpart. So Alex Erickson's there. You know, tweeted the other day, I really hope Alex Erickson isn't the reason why Auden Tate doesn't make this roster. But, hey, either way, everyone, I mean, this sneaky loaded wide receiver and running backs rooms. Real quickly on tight end, I mean, not too much to say about C.J. Uzoma. I mean, there's nothing wrong about the player, but and maybe he does see his role expand now that Tyler Eifert's gone. But, I mean, look, last year he already had a near every down roll. 
in this offense. I think we're just going to see maybe different wide receiver usage in general because Uzoma, I mean, wasn't even top seven on this offense in targets last season. There's just so many talented running backs and wide receivers. Very hard time believing Uzoma can, you know, clear that 50 target threshold. And even if he does, I just don't think he's really kind of shown the big play upside to do much with it. I mean, give me a guy, someone like Dawson Knox or Chris Herndon at the end of these drafts any day over Uzoma. So, that's the offense, you know, my rankings that you can find on PFF, you know, PFF uh, promo code FANCY40 to get 40% off these rankings throughout the season. I got Joe Burrow as my QB12. That's right. I'm going with the QB1 ranking. I think he gets there. Again, week one starter with the underrated rushing floor. Mixon is my RB9. Giovanni Bernard's my RB54. I got AJ Green wide receiver 23, and maybe I'm putting you know a little too much stock in the house, but I just have a hard time believing he's not going to be a wide receiver too if he is on the field attempting to play in 2020. Uh, Boyd a little bit lower on wide receiver 36. I have Ross as my you know wide receiver 80. Again, if he puts together his 16 games, it's going to be good things. I mean, I scooped up Ross in a dynasty startup recently. Not expecting much in 2020, but 2021 we could be talking. CJ Uzoma tight end 36. You know he might outscore that but I don't think he's going to be a realistic usable guy in fantasy this year and this leads us now to the win total 5.5 from the um, smart people setting these lines and the defense I think is going to be awful again okay good good on them for throwing a bunch of money at the secondary you know they pretty much took some Vikings corners I believe Von Bell's in there now and you know there's some talented pieces on defensive line with Geno and Dunlap still doing their things I mean last year the defense was awful but you know wasn't wasn't 11 awful players on the defense is all I'm saying still though I mean kind of like the Panthers you have an awful defense, even when you do throw some free agents, some draft capital signings at it. It's just very difficult to expect one of the league's worst defenses to suddenly turn things around to the extent that they're going to be anything resembling above average. So I would love to take the over on this 5.5 in a normal offseason. I'm going to hedge a little bit against my Burrow fantasy upside and take the under 5.5 here. I think even on a bad team, Burrow, you know, can have the pass game volume. We're talking about one of nine offenses last year to throw the ball at least 600 times. He could have the passing volume and the rushing ability to be a QB1 on a bad team, just like we saw with Kyler Murray last year. But I think this 5.5 win total, pretty spot on. Have them getting four or five wins. 2021 is probably a better season to expect, you know, a true kind of resurgence from the Bengals if it's going to happen. I ain't taking under 5.5 wins. This has been the PFF Fantasy Football Pod breaking down the Cincinnati Bengals. Make sure you check out our NFC North series, which will get started next Wednesday. So I'm Ian Harditz. Thank you all for listening. Take it easy.